right, welcome to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Scott Herzog. Good evening, I am Miles P. McLaughlin. Hi, I'm M. Sierra Garcia. Yay, it's great to be back here talking on the Sci-Fi Diner. And there was another voice we heard in the background. M, do you want to introduce your guest? Yes, one of my dear, dear, dear friends who is here from the other world. Um, my friend, <laughs> Dr. Jen Gupta, astrophysicist to the stars. Get it? You see what I did there? That was really yeah. funny. Thank you. This is my friend Jen, who's come to join us for the chat. Say hey. Yay. Jen is Hi, also, Jen. Uh, she's a former podcaster. She used to be one of the hosts of the Jojo Bank Jodcast, which was a lot of nerdy, awesome scientists discussing nerdy, awesome astrophysics and astronomy things. You say was, it's still going. It's just not got me anymore. Well, then it's not really that good anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say it's still fantastic. Yeah, awesome. Uh, yeah, yeah, yes. But she's awesome. got that really yummy accent, which is the only reason I keep around. <laughs> yeah, it's the only reason we have her on the show tonight, right? I think our no. podcast just got <laughs> twice as intelligent. We have a real scientist, and she's British. I know. Well, Come on. We have, we have that our dude Colin in in the UK who sends us stuff who we haven't heard from in a while. So Colin, send more things because dude, I have uh, I have a voicemail from him that we aren't going to play tonight because we aren't doing a voicemail show. But I do have feedback from him. So okay, good. So. <laughs> So, awesome. so we can cut him a break a little bit, but yay! But we're thinking of you, Colin. Just so you know that. So, so wow. So Back to the Future too. Wow. Um, now, so we watched it obviously in preparation for the show. Um, did any of you see it in theaters when it came out? I, I did. You did. Mm -hmm. I and, did. I was old enough. All right. Very good. And and Jen, did you? Uh, no, I I uh, was not old enough um, to see it in the cinema. <laughs> <laughs> what year was it? It was 1989. 89. Yeah. No, I was three. You were three. <laughs> <laughs> and, and if you did see it, you probably wouldn't have remembered it, right? Or something. <laughs> Thanks, Jen. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I did not see this in theaters. I don't know when I saw this first, but... Um, uh, what was your impression, Miles? Let's start with you. What was your impression of this movie when you saw it first time in theaters? I just thought at first it was cool we were getting a sequel. It took took four years, but we did get the sequel. That's only because he was filming Who, Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Yeah, he was a little busy. Uh, but um, at the time, I thought the future scenes were, were, were kind of cool and interesting. Um, I mean, I was like... 18 when I saw it so when I watch it now um, I kind of watch it with, with, with a different set of eyes I think yeah. uh, just um, tr trying to see what what kind of themes they're trying to explore in this movie because uh, the first one we talked about we, we, we discovered I think it, it, it's deeper than most people give it credit for so yeah. I was trying to see what this this film was trying to explore not just cool. not just try to be a sequel and, and, and on the successful coattails of the first film how about you, Emma? Uh, how what was your experience like seeing this uh, in the theater when it came out? I, I I'll, I'll be honest. I really don't remember. I was <laughs> seventeen and stupid. So <laughs> you weren't paying attention to the movie, anyways. it. I remember thinking it was amazing because it was different and it was fun and it was creative and it was a really cool. Like, oh my god, that the that that stuff could actually happen. Like, these kind of things could actually exist. Like, the time travel stuff was always, you know, there's so many issues with the... There's a lot of, like... There's just a lot of issues with the time travel part. But 
the the movie itself was just it was it was a wonderful escape it was neat and different and 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 i really don't think there was anything like it back then like nowadays everything is cgi and foreign and and aliens and different worlds and different times back then it was still very it wasn't as creative it wasn't as sci-fi or fantasy-esque or accepting so this was cool yeah well, it, when this movie came out, I did not, again, I didn't see it in theaters. And I really don't remember when I first saw this movie. Jen, do you remember when you first saw the second Back to the Future movie? No, it probably was quite late in my lifetime. I probably watched it first time in university. I was quite late coming to the Back to the Future trilogy. I mean, my lasting, I think the thing that mainly comes across for Back to the Future 2 is that I want a hoverboard, which is probably what everyone's thinking. <laughs> of course. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I just remember the rumors when this movie came out that they were actually producing hoverboards. Like the rumors that they were like Mattel. Oh yeah, they were, oh, yeah that's they, right. They were going to like they, they, they produce the shoes. Right, the jacket was supposed to come out, and they they really had a hoverboard, but they just weren't releasing it yet. Was kind of the rumor, and Mattel got a crap load of calls of people wanting the real hoverboard and were angry at them for not releasing it and. Uh, and it was kind of done off of a off the cuff joke by Robert Zemeckis. That he <laughs> said, "Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They've had this technology for years." Mm-hmm. You know, but I, actually... I think my favorite thing about it it was is that it was in Barbie colors, and everybody wanted one just like that. I know. And I was like, "But it's Barbie. Everybody wants a Barbie hoverboard." All right. <laughs> yeah, not so much. What was Griff's? Was it a pit bull or? A yeah, pit it was bull. a pit bull. <laughs> <laughs> the pit bull looked bad. With the twin engines on the back, the self-propelled. Yeah, are you kidding me? That's yeah. awesome. It's a little bit. That's a little bit of defeat. It's like if you want a skateboard, that's always kind of a self. If you get a motorized one, it kind of defeats the idea of it being a hoverboard for me. But it's a cheater. But yeah. Um, so uh, a couple things before we launch into our discussion of the movie. This movie, of course, came out uh, 1990, 1989, right? Yeah, 89. Yeah. It's in 99 there. 89. And when it came out, it had a production budget of $40 million. Totally made that money back. Um, domestically brought in 118. Foreign was 213. So it made their money and then some back, so it was pretty awesome. And it was nominated for a visual effect, I guess Academy Award in visual effects. So the movie uh, wasn't all that bad. You know, I don't know if we had this discussion last time, but I find that when I talk about sci-fi films, or I think about sci-fi films, Back to the Future, the franchise, tends to be one of these movies that gets overlooked. Like it's never, if you ask me, what is my top five movies of all time? You never see the Back to the Future franchise in them. And yet, our first episode that we'd recorded on Back to the Future 1, one of the, one of the most popular shows that we've done. Oh, okay. So, I mean, so uh, what do you think this means? I mean, um, Jen, Emma, what do you think? I don't know. I think it's just, there's there's been a lot of time since then and now. Um. It's not an aggressively, there's no CGI. We were just watching it today and Jen made a comment about CGI. I was like, nope, that's green screen. That's green screen and touch up and that fire is hand animation. That's old school because it was old school style. So it's, it, it's not of this generation. This is definitely that it's like the model T of sci-fi movies. 
uh, well, not the Model T. I would call it, you know, like the Studebaker of the of the sci-fi movies. It's got its it's got its street cred, but it's just it's very mainstream and it's very minimal. You know, everything is done practically. All the effects are as practical as possible. So it just looks different and feels different. I I wouldn't categorize it as um, in what's available, like what's available over the last ten years, because it's 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 not as advanced, but it's still an amazing sci-fi franchise. Yeah. Yeah. Any, any thoughts on that, Jen? I think the thing watching it back today that got me was that because it doesn't have so much sort of um, special effects put into it, um, it hasn't, it's aged quite well. Mm. So some movies, you know, you watch them back and you know, the explosions in space and stuff and they all look awful. Whereas this actually looks still pretty good. And I think as well, it's 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 a sci-fi film, but it's mainly, and I suppose a lot of them are, but it's it's about the people and it's about the story of that family rather than, you know, as I say, going and shooting stuff in space a lot. Yeah. No, absolutely, I I, I agree with that, and I think that it's it's kind of on the. I mean, this movie came out right in the cusp as visual effects really coming into full swing into the into into the into Hollywood, and so you didn't see a lot of them being used here. Um, I think sometimes this gets overlooked too because it it doesn't feel in some ways like a science fiction film. Uh, mm-hmm. In some ways, um, it's definitely a time travel film. Uh, in fact, I I put it. I'm going to read this now, but down the trivia, I put a uh, Carl Sagan considered this the greatest time travel movie ever made, and he praised the accuracy in handling the multiple timelines as what would really happen if time travel were possible. So that was kind of his. That was kind of his perspective on it. At least. Now, is it that on the first film or the franchise? No, I, I pulled this off the second one. I don't know if it was all regarding the first okay. film or not. But. I don't know. We kind of had a problem. We were discussing an issue with the the loop of time when old Biff went back in time with the book to give to young Biff. Mm-hmm. Once, once he gave him that book and made the decision of using the book. Time should have changed, and Old Biff should never have made it back to the future, so that Marty and uh, Doc could get back in the in the DeLorean and then go back to uh, New Timeline 1985. In the deleted scenes on the disc, they actually they actually answer that because you remember how when Marty goes back, uh, his family begins to fade away, and then he fades away up there in stage, or he yeah. begins to. When he comes back in the in the in the DeLorean to you know the the future, right? Okay. Uh, Biff gets out and he grabs his arm and seems to be in pain. There's actually a scene that they cut where he actually is fading at that point. He's fading. Uh... He's fading out of the timeline. So they they did they were playing with that, but it just didn't it didn't uh, it didn't come across very clearly. I can nitpick and, and split hairs. Um... If you just go to the beginning where Doc, I mean, if Doc Brown goes to the future, he sees future Marty and his family. That's fine. He goes back to the present, takes takes Marty and his girlfriend. They go back to the future. If anything, Star Trek taught us is if you, you know, travel to the future or um, what should have happened was Marty and his girlfriend thirty should have been disappeared for 30 years. They shouldn't have run into themselves 
30 years in the future, if we're following the rules of linear time travel. Well, it depends. I mean, if they get back to their current time, they aren't going to disappear. Right? Um, Because they'll still exist. They won't disappear, but what I'm saying is by traveling to the future... They shouldn't exist in the future. Those 30 years... Those 30 years between, they're gone. They, 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 they disappeared. They, 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 they came back 30 years in the future. They weren't around that, that past 30 years to get married, have a family, and everything like that. I know I'm nitpicking, but that's just where mm-hmm. I, my mind went. All right, Mr. Stark. That makes sense. No, it just makes sense. <laughs> yeah, and then if does. they go back again, <laughs> then they close the loop. They, yeah. yeah. Then they've got that time to... Correct. Yeah. See that, that that's right. That's where I'm kind of at with it, probably. I'm just going. I mean, I'm, I I still enjoy the film. I'm not going to totally dog it for that. But that's. Uh, but well, again, so in 1989, for them to it it I didn't notice it until now, and I've seen it a bunch of times. And for that not to, I think as as we grow and learn about science and we start playing with time travel in everything. Um, I don't know. I, I, it's, it's, they did a really smart job. They were really clever about how they did it. So they, I mean, kudos. Um, the other thing that really bugged me was that, um, old Biff climbed into the DeLorean and knew how to make it work. <laughs> that really, it's, it's yes, great. That was, I thought about that watching it this time too. I'm like, that's a bit convenient. Yes, he can drive a car. Uh, but fly uh, maybe yeah. there's a secret manual that we didn't see <laughs> right right <laughs> Here, here's something in 1955 at one time there if you wait the way you look at it, there was three or four different versions of the DeLorean um, the first time Marty travels to the past then you have the time where um, uh, old Biff travels to 1955 and then you have and then you have where Marty and Doc Brown travels to 1955. And then you have the one that's been stored in a cave forever. For, for, for 80 years. For, yeah. yeah, for like 70 or 80 years. For yeah. four DeLoreans. So it's, it's just kind of, it's, it's interesting that there's, yeah. that there's that happen. Yeah. <laughs> I was just, uh, I'm reading through red shirts right now. Oh, it. such a good book. I know, I know. I've, I've, it's just Will Wheaton, that's all. I, I just want to listen to Will Wheaton's voice all day. Well, and John Scalzi, <laughs> who I've gone on a cruise with, along with Will Wheaton, <laughs> who also gone on a Your cruise with. Your personal trip. friend. Yes, our amazingly talented men who write amazing, talented books. And by the way, that's getting made into a TV show. I know, I know. Not that we name drop or anything. Spielberg. No, no. Spielberg is something else. Uh, but big names are getting involved in that. So the, uh, anyways, I, I got to the part where they're discussing time travel in, in red shirts and how you can't have atoms. Uh, like, if, if I travel into the future, mm-hmm. I'm using the same atoms in my body that the other, the, that my future self would, and those atoms can't occupy the same space. Right. It's kind of the theory behind it. So I thought of that watching it now, watching Back to the Future. <laughs> but We could yeah. really... Wow. Go. I mean, we, we really overthink this. Yeah, what was that? Like, don't all of your cells like regenerate? Yeah, die and regenerate over a period of time, so it wouldn't be the same atoms. I don't know. I'm not. Yeah. No, no, you're you're probably right. And this is um, <laughs> they're talking about they're talking about Trek logic here. So that's <laughs> yeah, not always. That's not always. So. I think they borrowed that from Time Cop. Yeah. Oh, did they borrow it from Time I'm, Cop? I'm just guessing. Yeah, probably. We'll blame Time Cop, anyways. Mm-hmm. 
but yeah, it's, it's all time cops fault because yeah. it's stupid <laughs> <laughs> all right well are we ready to see how well we know this film yes sure or how well google knows this film. <laughs> oh hey stay away from the google ready i mean my brain all right all right so here it is this is a quiz how well do you know back to the future part two and we're going to see if you're worthy of riding in the delorean all right so doc marty and jennifer travel to what year in the future this one's easy october 21st uh 2015 bingo all right that is correct okay uh, <laughs> i know that <laughs> When Marty enters the cafe 80s, what song is playing in the background? Beat it by Michael Jackson. Good. That is correct. We actually get the answer right away here. The computer versions of which two 80s icons fight over Marty's order at cafe 80s? Ronald Reagan, Reagan and, I, and Khomeini. Uh, Saddam Hussein. No. <laughs> Ayatollah Khomeini. Ayatollah Khomeini. Yeah. Khomeini, that's right. Very good. Very good. Which of the now famous act, which now famous actor had a blink and you'll miss it role as a video game player oh, in Captain Frodo, Frodo. Um, Elijah Wood. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Hobbit. The, the Hobbit. Hobbit. <laughs> the I Hobbit. got told too. I was like, look, look, Elijah Wood. No. So we rewound it back I, I, and freeze framed it. And there's this wee little face with those big blue eyes. He really was a Hobbit back then. But... He was so tiny. <laughs> what is the name of Biff's grandson? Griff. Yep, definitely Griff. Good. Butthead. Yeah, <laughs> butthead. Butthead. Which toy company manufactures a hoverboard Marty uses? Mattel. It is Mattel. What is the name of the sports almanac Marty picks up from the antique store? Grace. Grace. It's Grace. Is it Grace? Yeah. Okay. It is Grace. Grace. You are correct. We watched it like two and a half hours ago. <laughs> I know, but see, I could watch this two and a half hours ago and I would never get that. So, what is the name of the subdivision where Marty lives in the future? Hildale. That is correct. What does Jennifer find out about her future wedding to Marty? She got married at a at like a, a like a chapel like a Las chapel Vegas love, thing, something like that. Chapel of Love, yeah, Las Vegas thing, which was not in her uh, picture. But, <laughs> what, what is <laughs> what is the nickname of Marty's work colleague that persuades him to join in on the scam to make more money? Needles, needles. <laughs> who, by the way, is the basis for what group? Red oh, Hot Chili Red Hot Chili Peppers. Yep, absolutely. That was the flea. flea. What was his name? What was the critter name? Flea. No, no, no. The 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 nickname of his of his mate. Needles. 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 Yep. Um, in the alternate 1985, what does Marty notice different about the outside of Jennifer's house? The metal bars in the window. Bars in the window is correct. What does Doc find out happened to him in the alternate 1985? He gets He's committed. committed. He gets committed. You guys are good. We've you got to be really competitive over right. I'm looking for a friggin' bell for me to ring. <laughs> <laughs> what, is, what is the name of Biff's Casino? Biff's Pleasure Palace? It's Biff something. Pleasure Palace is not an option. Pleasure Biff's Pleasure Awesome Paradise. Casino. What did you say, Em? Was it Pleasure Paradise? Bingo! Pleasure Paradise is correct. Give and ten points. In the alternate, yeah, points. We're now giving points. 
In the alternate 1985, what does Biff tell Marty? Now, here, here, are, here are the options, because that's not very clear. That he will kill Lorraine if Marty ever says anything about the sports almanac. That he will give him a million dollars to go away. That he murdered George McFly. That yes. he knows about the time machine. That he was behind what happened to Doc. Murdered. The murder. Yeah, he murdered. Yeah. Very good. When Doc and Marty return to 1955, where do they hide the DeLorean? Behind a um, billboard. Okay, that is correct. Yeah. Old Biff proves to 1955 Biff that the sports almanac is real by predicting the final score of a what? It was a... It was a I, I, I think I can tell you the score was 1917, but Good. I can't tell you what game it was. Was it, it basketball? Or no, baseball? no, you, you actually said it right the first time. It was a college football game. Well done, you. Yep. yep. Besides the sports almanac, what was the other reading materials that Biff brought to the Enchantment Under the Sea dance? The Ooh La La magazine. <laughs> the Ooh La La magazine. Wow, but Miles, you knew that one really, yeah, he, really quickly. He, he was quick in that one. What is that supposed to mean? <laughs> what are you suggesting? <laughs> nothing, nothing at all, Miles. Okay. Nothing, nothing at all. Uh, after the DeLorean is struck by lightning, who delivers the letter from Doc that lets Marty know he's alive and living in 1885? Western Union. Western Union. Of course, Western Union. Um, what is the last major line of the film? Great Scott. It is the ghost side of the film. It is. Your score is 19 out of 19. Nice Woo! job. Yay, Yay. Some of those weren't very hard, but it was good. Good, good, good job. Kudos to you. Oh my God, that was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> we have to do this in the show more often. I, I, I like, like that. I like that as a way to kind of recap the show. It was uh, that's, that's great. So see how well we know. The show. Well, let's move into uh, what were some in, in rewatching it this time. What were some highlights for for us as we watched these things that we really loved watching again? Miles, why don't we start with you? Just give me there's one. a there's Just a lot of one. juxtaposition between the, this film and the first film. Um, in the first film, there's a Marty's reaction to seeing 1955 uh, Hilldale. Well, now he he's seeing Hilldale in the future. So I thought that was kind of cool. And the future is over the top. And 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 Robert Zemeckis admitted that the future. You know, he he said in in the behind the scenes stuff that um, whenever you do, whenever you portray the future, you're you're always going to be wrong. And so he didn't want to do. Um, uh, Blade Runner or whatever, so they they went. He, his exact words were just going to go as a joke, and that's kind of what they did. Very cool. How about for you, Jen? What was a uh, favorite moment in you rewatching this film this afternoon? I always really like it in in the films when um, the scene where Marty um, gets knocked out or um, falls asleep, and then he wakes up and he goes, oh, "I had this dream." And, he goes, right, and then he realizes um, that it wasn't. Those always get me. Oh yeah, especially in this one where he sees his mom, like, right. with, oh, with the giant clavage. Yeah, yeah. you're you're so big. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is that is classic. How about you? Anne? You're all right, Marty. You're back on floor twenty-seven. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, how about you, Emma? Uh, favorite scene for you? I I don't know if I have a favorite scene. I know that I love I love the the callback moments, like Jen and Miles pointed out, that are from the first film. Um, I do. I I love the the skateboard chase, the revisited skateboard chase. <sighs> Always loving that. Hey, 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 are great and the moment when he kind of so he's on the lake and um uh, robo griff is heading towards <laughs> him with his mates and he just there's this little moment of boop, and then he just disappears into the water the it's very quick but there's a, a flash on his face like hee and then he, <laughs> he just kind of steps just kind of makes a sidestep and boom he's gone um the, the the two chase scenes from both movies cracked me up because they were they were done in the practical with very little very very little like secondary effects so I was 
it's just impressive for what they could do at that time. Yeah, absolutely. I think those chase scenes are some of my favorite parts of the movie when they do them. Uh, poor Biff, he or, or Griff. You know, he's always like running into like windows or running into manure in this movie. It's just terrible. Or there's like, it's when Marty, 1985 Marty is in the in the 80s cafe and Griff, no, Biff, they start talking about something and Biff made a comment about his car getting dinged up and Marty's like, wasn't it because you got, you know, you ran into a manure truck? I can't remember, I can't remember where in the movie that was, but that that seeing a more confident Marty than you saw in the first movie, that he came back from the adventure as a much wiser, a little more temper, a little cooler temper, but a little less sheepish Marty kind of be the, you could see, he's supposed to be Marty Jr., but it was, it was, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not articulating this very well. You know, that was a nice thing to see. Like, grown Marty, who was just had matured from his experiences. Is God, that sounds like a Judy Greenblatt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that's that's. I think that's in the cafe, and that's the scene that like sort of following on from that, where his son is then getting beaten up yeah, by Griff, and then like 1985 Marty like pops up and like gives him some attitude. Uh, that's kind of the same thing of seeing him being a much more confident character. Yes, thank you. Well, you know, it's interesting. I often, when I look at these movies as a whole, I often don't think of this as being kind of Marty's journey um, uh, because it, he seems to be, in, in a way, a vehicle to tell the story. Um, but he, you're right. He does He does kind of evolve, and it's subtle. It's not, not, not like a drastic involvement. Um, I keep thinking that anytime he wants to kiss Jennifer, he's always getting the shaft, you know, <laughs> because, you know, it's first it's the clock tower lady and then it's a doc interrupting this kiss that he wants to have. And, um, it, but, I, but I just think about this as being a, um, but I don't think about him as being necessarily a, a character that changes, but you're right. There is that subtle maturity, that, that confidence that he kind of, you know, holds on to and he seems to develop over the course of the three movies. And, and it's even more clear in the third one, which is my favorite one. Oh, yeah. There are some great... I can't wait to review that movie. There's some <laughs> great moments. So, yeah. Yeah. So, it's interesting. Marty has the ability to adapt to... Um, in 1955, he had to adapt to... Um, that little scooter making it into a uh, um, skateboard. Then he adapts a hoverboard and makes a skateboard. Um, so he's he, he you know he, he's 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 a flexible character as far as uh, whatever is thrown at him. You know, one of my favorite move, moments is when they go back to 1955 and he's trying to keep a low profile. In the spy getup he has, yeah, walkie-talkie. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, I just, I, I, it always makes me smile. He's like hiding and like hiding behind the car, and he's in this black hat, black leather jacket, and walkie-talkie. It's just classic. I'm in, Doc. This is Marty. Over. Roger, Marty. This is Doc. Are you there? Yeah, Doc. I'm at the address. It's the only tenant in the book, but I don't think this is Biff's house. It looks like some old lady lives here. Yeah. Where are you going, Bill? I'm going to get my car, Grandma. When are you coming back? My feet are in the watch and I'm at my house tomorrow. Shut up, you old bag. Use our phone, Dad. Yeah. Football. Dad, 
the point are you talking about? Biff's house. I'm on him. Over. Mr. Sandman, bring me a drink. Make her complexion like peaches. Give her two lips. Looking good, sir. Hey, Biff, she's all fixed up just like you, but I couldn't get it started. You got some kind of kill switch on this thing. You just gotta have the right touch. Nobody can start this car but me. The bill comes with three hundred and two dollars. Three hundred bucks. Three hundred bucks for a couple of dents? No, hey, that's bullshit, Terry. No, Biff, it was horseshit. The whole car was full. You had to pay Old Man Jones eighty bucks to haul it away. Old Man Jones probably resold it too. Now I ought to get something for that. You want to get something for it? We'll call inside. You can call Old Man Jones if he wants to get your refund. Three hundred bucks, Terry. I charge you. If I catch the guy that caused this, I'll break his neck. The manure. I remember that. Four cans for three hundred dollar job. I can't even have lunch in the shop. I could get a case of oil out of you for three hundred bucks. It smells worse than gas. You're out of gas, Terry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Never gonna go away, Biff. Never gonna go away. Last time, I did you a favor. Last time. tonight right now that my car's all fixed i figured i'd cut you a break and give you the honor of going with the best looking guy in school yeah well i'm busy yeah doing what washing my hair oh that's about as funny as a screen door on a battleship screen door on a submarine you dork look biff somebody already asked me to the dance who that bug george mcfly i'm going with calvin klein okay calvin klein no it's not okay you're going with me, understand? Get your cooties off of me! When are you gonna get it through your thick skull, Lorraine? You're my girl. Tannen, I wouldn't be your girl even if, even if you had a million dollars. Yes, you will. It's you and me, Lorraine. It's meant to be. I'm gonna marry you someday, Lorraine. Someday you'll be my wife. Hello, is, is the bit in the dance where you're standing there with the binoculars? Are you, like, <laughs> <laughs> you're not inconspicuous at all. No, like everyone's dressed to the nines in the dance, and you're in a black leather jacket, and, you know, that in a fedora, thing. and uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, I did like this time. You know, they show Biff. It's been theorized. Uh, Biff spikes the punch. In, yeah. in, 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 the, in the dance, which George McFly actually drinks and then goes out and lays out Biff. There's theories that he actually gained, he lost his inhibition, you know, to knock out Biff because he drank the punch. Some liquid courage. Yes. <laughs> so I don't know if that's true or not, but it's kind of interesting. Mm -hmm. but, but. That's <laughs> what was that? <laughs> no, it just, I, I do love that scene. Where he, you can see that he's pains to have to say, "You get your damned hands off of her." <laughs> yeah. For yeah. him to say that word was just such a. But 
it, as soon as he threw down Lorraine and, and, and he saw her that way and pow, and that sucker punch, he, the light switch goes off in his head. I, I, that's a beautiful little moment to see a, a sweet underdog turn and become the hero. Yeah, no doubt. Um, uh, other uh, other uh, moments that stuck out to us. I, I love the chase. It's nine o'clock. It's, it's nine o'clock. Just so you know, the, oh. that's my computer. It's smart. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's nine o'clock. It is nine o'clock. Yes. The, Good uh, morning, Hal. The, uh, and it's interesting the, the relationship between Marty and and Biff. Um, it's as far as protagonist antagonist, um, but uh, Marty going after uh, Biff um, one last time in 1955 to get the magazine. I thought was was enjoyable to the watch. The whole tunnel chase. The whole tunnel chase. Yeah. yeah.
definitely good. What Although, else? Go the ahead. whole like so after after Marty gets the book and he lights it on fire and um Doc says, Well, I have to back her up to do blah de blah. You know, we saw her we saw him hoverland the DeLorean before. Yeah. I don't know why he couldn't hoverland then. I know. I thought about that. I'm like, I have to come in from a different angle. I'm like, seriously? No, the, you don't because you just, you just hoverland. Just bring it down. <laughs> damaged in the chase. Who knows? But I It mean, was an excuse to keep him up in the air a little bit longer. I but... And I know it's minutia. Yeah. But I would like to thank all of science fiction for making my brain want everything to be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, um, I think that 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 I mean, I, I thought about that as well. There was one other thing. Um, it, I thought about during that tunnel chase scene about so Biff is so focused on slugging Marty, mm-hmm. right? That he doesn't even doesn't even phase him that he's riding a hoverboard. Yeah, there is in that. 1955, right? Yeah, and he's—I mean—he's not hiding, and he's obviously on something beside his car. Not only that, but he's like up on the wall, yeah. so it's not like—I mean, it's pretty—and it's pink. I mean, it, it does stand I, would, out. I, I would notice that if, um, but maybe he's that enraged or that much of a knucklehead that he just doesn't pay attention. He's a like me. I walk into a room. My wife will change draperies, move the furniture around, and I won't notice it. I'm I'm just terrible like that. So maybe it's like well, maybe it's, poisoning. Yeah, it's, yeah. It, it is. It's it's a guy thing, right? So maybe he's suffering from that. He just doesn't notice a pink hoverboard staring him in the face. But well, he's quite oblivious, right? Because Marty's sitting in the back of his car on a radio to Doc Brown, and he doesn't notice. Like I... you would you hear someone talking on the back seat of your car, surely. Well, we know he's a bit dense when when old when old Biff meets young Biff and he like knocks him. You're like, hello, hello. He's trying to get through to his younger self. Mm-hmm. You always did have a way with women. Get the hell out of my car, old man. You want to marry that girl, Biff? I can help make it happen. Oh, oh yeah. Who are you, Miss Lonely Hearts? Just get in the car, butthead. Who are you calling butthead? Butthead. How do you know how to do that? Nobody can start this car but me. Just get in the car, Tanner. Today's your lucky day. Hey! 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 Hey, what were you trying to do, man? I'll go get this car, I'll kill you! This cost me 300 bucks! Would you shut up about the car? Hey, and another thing. How do you know where I live? Let's just say we're related, Biff. And that being the case, I got a little present for you. Something that'll make you rich. You want to be rich, don't you? Oh, yeah, sure, right. That's rich. (laughs) You're going to make me rich? (laughs) You see, this book, this book tells the future. Tells the results of every major sports event till the end of the century. Football, baseball, horse races, boxing. The information in here is worth millions, and I'm giving it to you. Well, that's very nice. Thank you very much. Now, why don't you make like a tree and get out of here? It's leave, you idiot. Make like a tree and leave. You sound like a damn fool when you say it wrong. All right, then leave and take your book with you. Don't you get it? You could make a fortune with this book. Let me show you. UCLA 
they trail 17 to 16. It's fourth and 11 with only 18 seconds left in this game. I'd say it's all over for UCLA. Bet you a million bucks UCLA wins at 19 to 17. What are you deaf, old man? He just said it was over. You lost. Oh, yeah. Here comes Decker with a kick. It's up. It looks good, folks. It looks very good. Field goal. UCLA wins 19 to 17. Listen to that Coliseum crowd go all right, Pops, what's the gag? How did you know what the score was going to be? I told you, it's in this book. All you got to do is bet on the winner and you'll never lose. All right, I'll, I'll take a look at it. You damn fool! Never, never leave this book laying around. Don't you have a safe? No, you don't have a safe. Get a safe! Keep it locked up, and until then, keep it on you, like this. Hey, what are you doing? And don't tell anybody about it either. Oh, and there's one more thing. One day, a kid, a crazy, wild-eyed old man who claims to be a scientist. Oh, that's another bit that I love when, um, when um, old Biff starts the car. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's brilliant, too. He's like, how did you do that? Just get in the car, son. Yeah. <laughs> you, you know one of the things that I watched, when I watch Back to the Future every single time, it bothers me. And I think this is from, you know, my my sensibilities now. And um, But when, when when Biff goes and Lorraine has picked up her dress and they're like looking and ooing, eyeing her and her girlfriend are ooing, eyeing her in the dress. And the way he kind of treats her, very uncomfortable. I just want to punch him in the hoo-hahs. I know, but I'm just like very uncomfortable. Like, when would you get away with lifting up a girl's dress or doing all that sort of stuff in public? Well, we, we talked about this in the last one. Just if this was filmed today if, if if they would have done that scene it would not have been treated as light as this one is it's just like oh boys will be boys it's no he just sexually assaulted uh this this young woman i mean um that would have uh there would have been consequences or yeah there's consequences in some 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 respect yeah so if it had been filmed today it may have been it may have been even worse because of how women were treated back in the 50s and how men thought it was okay to talk to a girl or pick up a girl or to tell her you're gonna be mine i'm gonna marry you so i i felt that it was appropriate and and at least it could have been worse and given given how our brains work now um i i mean i i just think i believe that they, they were following what would have happened in the 50s how a guy how a big Paluka would would act to a young girl when he wanted something. It was very clear that he was an aggressive bully. He was an aggressive bully with everybody and everything. Um, so when that happened, I was not surprised because I've watched enough television from that era. I've read enough stuff from that era that that would have been acceptable. And if you've watched and I mean watch Mad Men, that that stuff is crazy. And that was the sixties. Right. Um, so. It, I think if it would, if it had been made today, it would have been, it would have been, they would have done the same thing. Um, I, they, I don't think they would have changed it actually, as I think about it now, but it's, it's how chicks were treated. But do you think the film would have treated that? Um, I don't know. Hell, I don't hell. think it was treated lighthearted. I think it was the vehicle to continue to set up what a complete D-bag um, 
uh, Biff. Biff is. And it sets up the history, the back history of how he's so aggressive with um, um, Lorraine in the future and how much he wanted her that he went and killed her husband to get her. That's that's how far. Because when that scene finishes, he that's when he's all, you know, I'm going to marry you. You're going to be mine. Yeah. That it kind of closes that loop of understanding why he's such a, if you'd forgotten in the first film about him wanting her, this makes it much more clear and and concrete that that Lorraine is something that needs to be collected by him. Yeah, it's like a trophy of some sort. I, yeah, you know, I, I looked at and I agree with you. I think that while I'm uncomfortable, it's we aren't meant to be to find that scene easy to watch, but it does develop Biff into a antagonist that we can love to be love to see taken taken down by the end or taken down a notch as he runs into the manure truck once again. So, I mean, in that way, we don't feel bad. We feel like he's somehow gotten his, his karma, you know, his karma has come back to haunt him in a way, but, um, Jen, Jen in the chat room said he was simple minded. He was creepy. And when it wouldn't, uh, she doesn't think it would ever happen, but I agree with you. I think that there was certainly, I'm not saying like, all men were this way in the 50s, but uh, there was certainly that element. What I'm asking is, this was filmed in the late 80s. Um, yeah. Did the film, uh, I, I have a feeling if, if it was filmed today, would it have been treated, you know, they still would have filmed the scene, but would the, did, did the, when it was filmed in the night, late 80s, did they, I don't know, not did did, did they treat that scene with, um, the way it should have been treated. I've had a hard time saying what I'm trying to say. You're struggling with this. Movies. I am. I am. Yeah. No, I, 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 I smell what you're cooking. Yeah, but I think that, yeah, you're meant to struggle with this. You aren't. Mm-hmm. We aren't meant to like this scene. And mm-hmm. um, it's just it's different. I mean, we'll go back to the first film where he actually really does try to have his way with her, and then at you know at the end, you know, they're like. You know, well, if it wasn't for Biff, we wouldn't have met and fell in love. I'm like, I, so in the, in the first film, I it's thought, true, but, it, yeah. but but the way they treat it, it's, you know, it's it, it just seems like it's not being treated with the severity it should be treated. If that, if that makes sense. And maybe maybe not the point of the film. No, well, back then it wasn't the point. But I'm just yeah. saying, I'm I'm just I'm just saying, comparing it. When it was made, when it was made, and, and, and hypothetically, if, if it would have been made now, well, it depends. You know, <laughs> probably depends a little bit on what network and uh, is doing. If HBO put it out, mm-hmm. there's there's Game of Thrones. Yeah, I mean, they don't. I mean, he he puts he puts stuff in there that's absolutely awful right. to portray the reality of what it would be like in a warlike situation and. Um. Back to the Future was much more of a family-friendly film. I'm surprised. It's a PG rating, but there is a god-awful amount of swearing in it. Well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> it would definitely have gotten the PG-13 uh, if it was yeah. filmed mm-hmm. 10 yeah. years later or something. They didn't drop the F-bomb. No, they didn't. At they that did. time, the, you could say, you know, the you could say the S-word and not have it. You had a, a limited number of them. Yeah. I was like, surprised with the... Um, 
the Zeffirelli version of Romeo and Juliet got PG and there's nudity in it. And oh, that, yeah, well, that, that was a, that's, that's another show. Yeah, yeah, it is. Well, and the only reason I think about it as an English teacher, you know, we showed Romeo and Juliet, and it's always like one of the stops. You stop it like right before, cover up the screen or do something with it. But anyways. Um, anyways, we got kind of sidetracked here, but these are good things. I think they're important things because they do show um, uh, changes maybe in culture. They show um, hope, hopefully, I know that not everyone's this way, but hopefully, you know, culture has changed as to not find this as acceptable as maybe it once was. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe I should, the women that are on the show maybe should comment on this more than I can. I think one thing that got me watching it back today was just how dark a character Biff is. I mean, as you say, he sexually assaults Lorraine. He then admits to the murder of George McFly. And I think when I was younger and watching it, I, that was that sort of. I just glossed over that, but actually, he's he's a a horrible character who has done seriously bad things, and that kind of doesn't. As you say, maybe he's not he's he's not necessarily treated in the way that he should be for that. Yeah, he is a dark character, you're right? Yeah. So you're you saying he's almost he's almost even despite what he does get in the film, he's almost let off a little bit too lightly. Kind of. I think that yeah, the 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 murder bit sort of got me a little bit more this time than I think it has previously. Mm. Yeah. yeah. He is, uh, the point of him being a darker character, it, it is much clearer. He's, he's more the, than just the antagonist. He's the villain. He is truly, truly a villain. Right. Who gets mm-hmm. his comeuppance. Yeah, I agree. One of the things I did think of, and this kind of you know, plays into Biff a little bit, is... We don't know, when they first go into the future, we don't know who Biff is married. Right? Yeah. He just says um, third time's he, a charm. He just has, he just has a, uh, he just has Griff. We don't know who the mother is. So, mm-hmm. but, yeah. So. Yeah, it's not until Marty goes back to 1980, an alternate universe, and, um, and watches the video of, you know, come and see our greatest, you know, citizen of Hilldale, Biff Tanner. And that's when he learns about all of it. And he had, yeah. gets knocked in the puss by Billy Zane. <laughs> I love Billy Zane's character in this movie. It's, it's the side bit, but it's great. It's funny that it's him and Casey Shamasco who, after these movies, had really great careers for a total of like six years and then disappeared. I know, I know. Like Billy Zane, I remember, like, the thing I remember him from is Titanic, of course. Yes, and yeah. he was the Phantom. Yeah. He was, he was pretty, he was okay. And Casey Shamasco ended up doing a whole bunch of weird things, but he's still a very talented actor. Yeah. All right, well, let's move into some trivia, and then we're going to move into some things that we think that the movie... Uh, actually, let's do that first. Let's do things that, we, that came true in the movie um, and things that didn't. Hmm. All right, we'll do that. And uh, so let's start, with, let's start with the negative and then positive. Um, so what sort of things... I noticed... Uh, I, I know that uh, Jen and M, you said you guys wrote down some things that you noticed that they got wrong. What were some of the things that you noticed? 
so the, the main two things that I noticed was the the lack of mobile phones or cell phones, uh-huh. as I'm in the states, um, and the lack of internet. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So, which and the the cell phone thing I think is a little bit weird because they would have had you know there were giant bricks of of cell phones. They, still they were have... rare, but yeah, they the had the Motorola phones yeah. or the ones that had the excuse me the little pack with it. Yeah, but then they did have sort of like. When there were phone calls, they did have sort of like Google Glass style, yeah, like sets to answer. Yes, so maybe they, they just skipped out the cell phone part and just went straight to that. I didn't yeah. even I didn't put together the Google Glass thing at all. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. But then they, I think there were also um, there were still like pay phones and stuff on the street. Yes, there was. so they had I think <laughs> the communication they hadn't quite thought through. Yeah. Um, they got that a little bit wrong. Yeah. Um, what else did they get wrong, uh, Miles? Did you have anything? Um, well, we, we, we didn't get the flying cars. Yeah, no flying cars. <laughs> yeah. although, Google, although Google's getting close to doing some self-driving cars and that. Mm-hmm. that that'll be cool when that happens. But, um, they got wrong laser discs. The big, the big, huge laser discs you see stacked in piles behind Marty when he first gets to the future. Oh, in the rubbish, yeah. Yeah. So, the Cubs haven't won the World Series yet. So. Oh, um, but Jaws good. was it Jaws sixteen? I guess yeah, that's not out yet. Jaws nineteen. Nineteen. Three D. Right. It wasn't three D. Yeah. It wasn't three D. And they had the sort of like hologram, like shark that comes out and like attacks him, and you know that kind of stuff is starting to happen with. I like, haven't they brought back like Michael Jackson or Tupac or someone on stage and hologram <laughs> <Yeah>. for? <laughs> yes. Yeah, <laughs> they, they did. They brought Tupac back. They brought it back twice. The, I love the um, the your fired faxes that came through. Yeah, oh fax yeah, faxes being the. Pro- using fax machines right now. I know, man. Our school has one, and it's used on very specialized occasions. We rarely use fax machines. Emails totally trump that. But um, Princess Diana was Queen Diana in the newspaper. Obviously, this was before she died. Mm-hmm. So, right. Um, and we still haven't had a female president, which is also kind of mentioned. Um, and double ties have never, ever been invented. Well, see, and that's Thankfully. where they got it wrong. The assumption that in 19, in, in 19, in 2015, we would all have absolutely abhorrent taste in clothing. Yeah. <laughs> Although well, they... the one, speaking of, the one thing that they did get right. So Marty comes, gets, puts on the jacket and the sneakers and uh, Doc says, you have to pull your pockets out because that's how the kids are wearing their jeans. And I, it's a trend. And I asked Jen if this is big in her con- in the UK. In country. In your country. Yeah, you're the country you own, Jen. Where girls wear the little short shorts, cut their cut-off shorts from jeans with their pockets hanging out. Have you seen that? Oh, where they hang out like the bottom of the jeans. Yeah. yeah, they so, hang yeah. out the bottom of it because the shorts are so stupidly short. Right, because the they're pockets, their like kind of butt stick out. out. So that to me was a really funny little moment. Of, <laughs> hey, he's sticking his pull his pockets out. That's actually happening. Oh, I, I didn't think actually I, making that decision <laughs> to wear their clothing like that. I did not. Really I did not bizarre. think about that. I did not think about it in that way. You're right, Em. You're right. <laughs> it it just tickled me. I was like, oh, I gotta write this down. One thing that I couldn't decide whether they got it right or wrong was um, in the cafe with little Elijah Wood um, when he's they're playing the video game and he goes, oh, you have to use your hands because 
you know, gaming has changed and you, you do a lot of like <laughs> iPad and touchscreen stuff, but you still use your fingers for that. Right? We haven't quite got to like hands-free gaming. Well, it depends. I mean, the, the Xbox Connect obviously mm. allows you to be hands-free. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that technology is certainly there, the wireless technology, which is kind of what, they, what Elijah Wood and his friends seem to insinuate. Maybe they just like Just Dance a lot. Yeah, yeah, maybe. maybe. Dance Dance Revolution all the time. Yeah, you know, 2015, that's what we do. But, uh, <laughs> you know, it certainly they got right our obsession with sequels and 3D movies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Although I think, do you think our obsession with 3D movies is kind of waning a little bit? How many movies come out in 3D anymore? A l- all of them. A lot of all lot, of them do. The summer blockbuster. Maybe I ones. just don't watch. Maybe I just don't watch them in 3D. <laughs> um, they're still still hot. Yeah. Wow. I saw Mad Max in 3D. I don't think it needed to be in 3D. No. Yeah, but yeah, you no. know, when I saw it anyway. Yeah. My brother. My brother often goes off about how there's no original sci-fi content out there. So he's looking forward to like The Martian when it comes out. So. <laughs> oh, it's a good book. I know. It's, it's a phenomenal book. book. Yeah, I loved I loved the book, and I uh, can't wait for the movie. I hope they get the movie right. So, yeah. <laughs> um, handheld tablets, they got that right. Mm-hmm. Of course, I was introduced to Star Trek before this, I believe, but but they did get that right. And a baseball team in Florida. I know that made me giggle. <laughs> yeah. What else did you notice that they got right? I was just thinking. I something. like the abundance of um, flat screen TVs. Oh yes, you yep. put multiple channels up on them. Yep, absolutely. The multiple channels at one time. You, you can watch in your living room window. I mean, that's yeah. We aren't quite there yet, but we certainly have uh, really thin TV screens. So oh, they're crazy thin now. Oh, when he talked to his his screen. So you, if you get um, the Samsung Smart TV. And then I think there's actually a game console that you can talk to too, isn't there? You can control the Xbox One, I think, with with voice, voice commands. So that was something I noticed, which is funny in the UK because, according to my husband and his friends, it doesn't understand Northern UK accents. <laughs> Whoops. Jen <laughs> <laughs> uh, said that he calls her into the room. Jen, say this. Because <laughs> <laughs> understands her accent. Oh, that's funny. That's uh, funny. We can't hydrate pizzas yet. No, no, we can't hydrate pizzas. Uh, uh, not quite. We still have pizza wrong. It was awful looking. <laughs> yeah, it was. I don't know what that you green stuff was. Hydrate pizza on the International Space Station. I don't know if NASA have invented a, a pizza yet. <laughs> no, no. Uh, the uh, video conferencing, they had that down pretty sharply for the year. Yeah. So. Well, I liked with the uh, video calls was that it like brought up all their personal information it was like <laughs> i said to emma i was like it's like it's mining the um facebook account yeah exactly exactly yeah and drake scotch has four children yeah um, the flying the remote flying cameras we have those we've drones oh yeah i know so i mean i was i i, I that time was one of mine too is really really cool the remote flying cameras there at the new when they do the news footage and um yeah it's kind of cool so um Hoverboards were we don't we don't have them commercially available, but people have invented hoverboards that actually hover. That's true. So, in very specific circumstances. Yes, yes, in very controlled circumstances. Very uh, experimental. Yeah, no doubt about it. Well, um, like Jen, Jen was just showing me the Hendo one, and when I asked her, well, I, I'd asked, "Do you just need a stronger magnet?" And you really need to. It it not only does it 
matter about the hoverboard and the magnetism behind it, but it ha it's the surface. Yeah. And then because he was hoverboarding across everything. Yeah, that wouldn't, I, I don't think you would ever get a hoverboard that could hover on the sidewalk and then over water and and sort of change surface that it was it was hovering over. But certainly, if we just, you know, change what everything is made, but make it into the make metal that it needs to be <laughs> to, to hover over, then that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> um, the portable credit devices they had, we have a lot of them these days. Oh, yeah. Smartphones. Oh, yeah. You can with your phone. Apple phone. Yeah, Apple, Apple, yeah, Pay. Apple, Apple Pay, definitely. Um, the thumbprint ID and, like, to open doors with that sort of technology does exist. Oh, but we need it. I, I, I really want that for, for my house. You can. <laughs> I'll take you to Home Depot tomorrow. But you can actually get one at Home Depot. It doesn't exist in England yet. Well, oh. you take it from here. You can put it on your, you can pack it. Just get rid of the Pokemon shirts that you bought. and <laughs> No, don't get rid of those. Like, we went to Target, and she, the two things that came out of Target for her were two really, really cool Pokemon shirts. Out of the kids section. Yeah. <laughs> awesome, Jen. See, Jen's all right in my book. But, <laughs> um, Pepsi Max, they got right. Pepsi Max came out with a Pepsi Max then. Oh, it did. When did Pepsi Max come out? Well, it was two. Th it was um, in the mid '90s in the UK, and then like 2007 or 2003 in the United States. Is it that zero calorie Pepsi? Yeah, zero calorie Pepsi. Okay. So, but you're, was you're, it like you're, zero you're, calorie, but like double the caffeine? Yeah, or something like that. Yeah. All I remember is those Pepsi Max commercials where the people are nodding their head, like the Super Bowl commercial. Remember that one? Joe, I'll tell you what, this first half has been awfully impressive, and he has looked as comfortable as I've ever seen him in the pocket. This. What is love? Baby, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me no more. Ginseng and more caffeine. Stop it! Baby, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me. I was at a award show, and of course, I'm nodding off. I have no energy. I'm exhausted. I'm lethargic. I'm, you know, I'm fading quickly. I'm sitting at a show, an award show, and I'm nodding off. One of those dull moments and we started nodding off and getting a little tired and just bored with the whole situation and probably falling asleep, borderline falling asleep. And then I have a sip of my Pepsi Max and I just have this burst and this explosion of inner energy that just takes me to another level. Of course, I get a, a bottle of Pepsi Max, I Pepsi Max and I wake up. The highlight of it 
was, was after taking the sip of the Diet Pepsi Max, just the whole animation that came and just displaying the energy that, you know, was supposed to be brought about as a result of swigging the Diet Pepsi Max. Drinking that, that, that Diet Pepsi Max, gets you hot. Is this love? I think it's a song. Oh, from um, yeah, and everyone's like bobbing their head. Mm -hmm. They're drinking Pepsi Max, but I'm in Ireland. (laughs) But it's kind of funny that Pepsi used you guys as. But is I mean Pepsi Pepsi Max? um, In my mind, was invented because men wouldn't drink diet, and so Pepsi Max is basically diet drink. For but for men. cooler. <laughs> it's max. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, they just changed. There's the new Dr. Pepper that's, um, they, they changed the flavor. Pro, they didn't change the flavor profile. They um, remarketed it with a different name. Yeah. But it's basically like, it's Dr. Pepper Zero, but butch. Yeah. Like Axe <laughs> Body Spray. It's really just perfume for stupid, stinky young men. Oh. <laughs> uh. That's true. I didn't think about that. This doesn't make Do me want mention... to... Go ahead. Sorry, did we mention the um, the trainers yet? The sneakers? No. Oh, yeah, the Yankees. The auto sneakers. Yeah. I want those. Yeah. But they did have... Uh, someone did... Uh, what did... I have it down here. Um, someone did uh, invent sneakers that actually tie themselves. But it's obviously not commercially available. Although Nike is uh, putting out these sneakers, aren't they, for this year? Yeah, I just found the article. Nike is actually making the MAG, M-A-G, shoes from Back to the Future 2. Um, you've heard rumblings and hints about the mysterious press event that took place in Los Angeles, but it's official. Nike will be auctioning off 1,500 pairs of the MAG high-top sneakers, just like the ones worn uh, in 2015 by Michael J. Fox in Back to the Future 2. While it isn't clear if the shoes automatically fit themselves to the wearer's feet, as they did on Marty McFly, um, they are at least uh, this very same style, the exact same visual replicas of the of the sneakers used in the movie. I'm sure they don't fit themselves to their feet, but but how awesome would that be? That would be that would be very. I just want a self drying jacket. So, but. do you, do you <laughs> fall in the water a lot? I do. I, I, I make it a consistent habit. No. Oh bless. No. Um, so, uh, all right. Uh, anything else as far as uh, things that got right, things that got wrong, or should we move on? Let's move on. Let's move on. Well, they got, I mean, they got George McFly wrong in that it wasn't. The it wasn't yeah, yeah. Right. Well, that's a whole nother, uh, that's a whole nother story here. That's some interesting trivia we'll have. Yeah, uh, yeah. That. Well, you want to talk about that trivia? Let's sure. Bring it up. Let's bring it I up. think it's interesting. I knew that there was an issue and I thought that they used him and then they didn't. They used him in some bits, but not others. But Jen pulled up the article explaining about the lawsuit. Go ahead. Actually, changed yeah, it actually changed the film industry. So, and he yeah, walked they, away. They took like the prosthetics from the first film, right? And then they they sort of made his face and put that onto another actor. And understandably, he got a bit upset about that. And they used they used. Um... His likeness. They used his likeness. They they used clips from the first, and so it just constantly, they, they really did kind of steal his image. 
and, and to to rewind a little bit, I mean, they when they approached the original cast of being in the movie, he was holding out for a lot of money. And well, and he also they also had given him, my understanding, a smaller role in this sequel. And one of the rumors had it was it was because he hated the ending of the first Back to the Future, and he really complained about it. And so when they wrote the script, they didn't give him a huge part in it. Hmm. But so this was I saw there was an interview with him a few years ago, and and he said that was the reason that he he didn't sign up was that he hated the ending of the first film so much because it made out that all you needed to be happy was to have more money, and he was not very happy about that. Um, but then the other side of the story seems to be that he was upset because he wasn't being paid enough money. So they really, yeah. um, which is, I, which is ironic. <laughs> nice bit of irony there. Yeah. I mean, I, I, when I was watching the behind the scenes, um, material, I mean, Zemeckis was, sent, I, it was either Zemeckis or Gail said, um, that they, they, when, when approached, he said he, he had a counter offer. He said, well, if we don't hear from you within two weeks, We'll assume you don't want to do it. And then after two weeks, he was holding firm to what this is what he wanted. And, and so they said, we're, we're going to go a different direction here. And uh, But they got, but as, as we talked about, they got in, a, in huge trouble by using his likeness. Um, and he, he uh, settled out of court. He sued them and he got $765,000. That's it? Well, for 1989, that's probably that's true. pretty that's good. That's true. Yeah, I mean that's that's a couple million dollars and uh, days money or whatever. Um, so yeah, we'll just have to go into Doc's briefcase of cash, right? And, <laughs> and, and From every true. era. <laughs> <laughs> but the uh, yeah, I you know it's, I when I when I watch Back to the Future and I look at the ending of that, I never read that all that that. That Marty's family is happy because they have money. That's never my interpretation of that that, that final scene. I, I, me neither, because I, I read it that his life he went a different direction in life, and he and he became a more of a man, and he who stood up to him stood up for himself and decided to make choices. His 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 interaction with his future son changed his life, and. He wrote science fiction novels, and he he stood up to Biff, and um, he got the girl. It wasn't that you know she sympathized with him. I mean, he actually got the girl, and he was a different man in this film. And yeah. because of that, he he was able to be successful in life. Thoughts? I I took it as you know you 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 were the you were the director of your own destiny, and what you learn in life is what directs you and helps you direct what you're going to do next. And it's, it was that moment, that overcoming moment of not being, you know, quiet. You are my density, George McFly to knowing that he could be the man he always wrote about. He could be the hero of his own story and not just the sidekick. So I took it as a, you know, when you, when you're confident in yourself and you work hard and you, you build that for yourself. I didn't see it as a money makes you happy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's nice to have. I'm not going to lie. No, yeah. No, no doubt. You kind of <laughs> need, need it to live. But yeah, so I'm not sure. I'm not buying it. But but I did well, hear them. He's, he's 
an he's an odd duck anyway. Yeah. He's a very he's a very obtuse person. Yeah. And and uh, what's the word? Um, not he's. Uh, I can't think of it. All right. Never mind. Never move along. Move along. Eccentric. Eccentric. That's the word. <laughs> there you go. He's very eccentric. Yeah. Uh, well, you saw Willard, right? No, it just watching the 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 the, the preview for that. That's was creepy. I never want to see that movie. It just yeah. that that turned me off of him completely. Yeah, that was I think the last thing. Of, he he's probably done other stuff, but that's the thing that I remember. I was like, oh, Christian Glover, ooh, Willard Rats. But yeah. All right, well, let's move in just a little bit of trivia, and then we'll have uh, some quotes, and we have some feedback, and we'll wrap up the show here. It shouldn't take us yeah. too long. Um, so, uh, trivia, just a few things. The ledge on the clock tower that Doc broke in Back to the Future, 1985, uh, the one that was, I guess, in the past, is still broken in 2015. Some nice continuity. Yeah, some nice continuity. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, the, the, we were talking about effects and how the, this movie did not use a lot of effects, but one of the effects that it did use was something that he called Vistaglide. And Vistaglide is, uh, is utilized in three scenes where the same actor is interacting with themselves. Um, oh, yes. Uh, yeah. So the three scenes that were shot was a dinner sequence in 2015, 1955, Biff ta- talking to 2015 Biff in the garage, and the 1955 Doc talking with 1985 Doc. In order to create the dinner sequence with the Vistaglide, the camera had to be divided into thirds, and Michael had to come in at three different times to play his older self, Marty Jr. and his daughter, Marlene, in Back to the Future Part Two, This is the first film to accomplish the interaction between the same actor and screen twice as two different characters. If you watch closely, you'll see that the old Biff's hands disappear during the scene in the garage. So, so that was Vistaglide was the uh, technique they used for that. It so. looked good. Much more common these days to see that done a little bit. You can do it, I think, a little bit easier with some of the digital technology we have. But, but it's, it... it was definitely one of the precursors, and it was. Um, it's kind of it's one of those things where they have to use the, um, the the technology that was developed for Star Wars, the good movies, where they did the um, the the programmed tracking of a camera and movement of a camera so that it tracked and moved the exact same way every time it was touched so that you could capture the exact same moment and when you married the two scenes together or however many film clips together that it would be uh, i mean down to the millimeter the same footage so it would marry up nicely oh yeah and then it's just a little bit of overlaying is what, is what yeah I, do, so. I was really paying attention to it in the scene at the end with um, 1955 and 1985 Doc when they're talking to each other because they have the lamppost in between them. And I was wondering whether they sort of like, picked that on purpose so that they knew, he sort of knew like the, the, the limit of where he could go to. Yeah. They actually, uh, someone says if you watch the first movie, you actually see a dark, you see a dark figure in a, uh, in a trench coat and hat in the background that people have attributed to being Doc Brown, but it's not. <laughs> but it would have been cool if they would have had the for, for, you know, foresight to say, oh, let's put Doc Brown here twice. But they didn't. 
the, however, the shirt that Doc wears through, uh, for the majority of the film features a design depicting cowboys and horseback and a train, foreshadowing the climax of the third film. This was, uh, talking about that, this was one of the only films at the time and really since to show a trailer for the next film immediately after it. Yeah, and you know what? They gave the film away. I, I, I did, I'd forgotten that they did that, and then as we watched, they basically gave the film away completely in that clip. Yeah. It showed everything. It showed Marty with his girlfriend, and Marty's in his, you know, Outlaw Josie Vales outfit, and... <laughs> it just that's the end of the movie <laughs> why are you showing me so much of the movie but they didn't show that at the end of the preview right so, no. so you know that could have just been an interview in the middle it's just it's <laughs> i don't i don't like it when they give me too much information in a preview yeah um four other pieces of trivia these are small ones the wild gunman in 1984 so i thought about this because i just got done reading Ray, ready player one twice all right. Mm -hmm. So the Wild Gunman 1984 video game in Cafe 80s was specifically made, especially made for the film. Wild Gunman was an actual light gun game for the Nintendo Entertainment System, but mm -hmm. was never a dedicated arcade cabinet. It was, however, included in many of Nintendo's Play Choice 10 machines, hence why a light gun was on the cabinet. The sound effects heard in the movie are from the game, but the on-screen graphics are entirely new drawn to resemble what appeared. Ironically, the actual game itself had far better animation. Hmm. So. That's just really weird. <laughs> Why wouldn't you just use an, like, a game that exists? Yeah. There must have, I guess there must have been conversations with Nintendo that made them do that, but that just strikes me as odd that they would... I remember Gunfighter games, though, in the 80s, yeah. and I don't remember them being looking like that. Maybe I don't remember them looking that good. Yeah. I mean, I remember them looking interesting, Maybe they needed something to look more like Duck Hunt, mm. something lighter and and visually you need only because you only see it for like seconds. So something that registers, okay, that's what this is. And then um, Marty references, oh yeah, I'm a such and such. And then when he shoots everybody, that title comes up. It's a crack shot. Crack shot. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. The. Uh... Uh, on an unrelated note, this was the first film to be released on the video cassette by MCA Universal Home Video. Oh, okay. VHS and beta. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Unless you count the reused scenes from the first movie, this is the only film in the series where Marty doesn't once drive the DeLorean. I never thought of that. That's right. Yep, he doesn't. So. Okay. So, yeah. Um, and uh, we'll finish it with one more thing about cars. In 2015, several cars from other sci fi movies can be seen. Anyone know what movies they are? Don't look at the notes. If you look at the notes, don't answer. <laughs> I won't say anything. I already saw it. <laughs> no, I didn't even notice that. I'm going to have to go back and watch it again. Yeah, so a spinner from Blade Runner, the star car from The Last Starfighter, other cars. <gasps> yeah, other cars seen are highly modified Ford probes and Mustangs, as well as concept cars. Oh, I remember the Ford probe. Oh, I know. My brother had a Ford probe. I never did. But... There's an ointment for that. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thanks, Em. Uh, uh, that came out of left field. So <laughs> he, was wait he was waiting for that. 
Oh, in my brain, I was hoping it would work the way I wanted it. <laughs> it, it, it did. It did <laughs> indeed. All right. Well, do we want? Do we have quotes? Do we want to do quotes here? Or are we um, any good quotes that kind of stuck out to you? Well, there's there's lots of them. Um, but Go ahead, so Miles. Give me one. Um, Marty McFly says, uh, "There he is, Doc. Let's land on him. We'll cripple his car." Doc says, "Marty, he's in a '46 Ford. We're in a DeLorean. He'd rip us through. We're in a tinfoil, <laughs> like we're in tinfoil." Um, just remembering when I heard that the first time, I'm remembering comparison of cars made back in the '80s and comparison of cars made years and years ago. They were just, you know, cars are not made out of much metal anymore. Yeah, no doubt. Any uh, quotes or that stuck out to you, uh, you folks, Jen? I like it when young Biff keeps on getting phrases completely wrong. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that whole, like, that whole, like, why don't you make like a tree and get out of here? Yeah. <laughs> the, it's it's the leave, you idiot. <laughs> the, oh, he put the group. Um, yeah. That's about as funny as the screen door on a battleship. The screen door on a submarine, you dork. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's really good. The one, the one... So there are two things that drive me a little bit, also a little bit nuts. So they switched Jennifer Shue in, um, Elizabeth Shue in for Jennifer. So there's a new Jennifer and they had to refilm that little beginning section. It was the worst wig ever. There, You can't tell me that no one, no one in 1989 could do a, a good wig or at least style her hair properly. That, that kind of continuity thing drives me a little bit crazy. And then, um, I what does it be crazy? I actually quite enjoyed it until I saw the mistake today. Uh, when Doc gets out of the car, he's like, "Well, you know, I don't want to scare you, but I've had some rejuvenation, and this is what I look like now." <laughs> but as I'm watching, it's a, it's clearly a hairpiece that he's got going, and as he's acting and moving, and um, whoever put the piece down, like the netting was coming off. There was, I could see the seaming of the the hair net, the fronting net of the wig, and that drove me a little crazy. But I did love that moment of where he's ripping his old face off, and he's listing, and I got this, and new blood, and a new liver in my intestine, and this and that, so I'm a little different. That one was really, <laughs> it's very cute. I can't find the text for it, no. but when he starts going through the laundry list of, of stuff he's had done, that's very now right now, too. Well, yeah, I, seriously, uh, we didn't talk about this when we talked about things that are coming true. The, the, the ability and the amount of parts that we can replace with artificial parts or, you know, synthetically uh, made 3D uh, parts is amazing. Like what we're able to kind of do to the human body. So it's absolutely awesome. I'm trying to find the text for it. And I can't <laughs> find it. I just wish we would have came up with a Mr. Fusion. A Mr. Fusion would have been nice. Mm-hmm. So, although I don't know what kind of ambient radiation comes off of that thing, so probably, I'm okay without it. Probably like a microwave. I was just a little bit confused at what they were putting in there. To, to uh, well, the they fusion. were putting in everything. They were putting in metal. They were putting in organic matter, and like he emptied half of a Pepsi Max into it and threw the cup in. If I'm not so, mistaken, he also so put a banana peel about too. It, that was interesting because in the first one, he's um, he's got plutonium, right? To, yeah, um, right. To, to power it, but that's fission. Yeah, it's nuclear fission, then he's moved on to nuclear fusion in this one. So, and that is again something that is happening is that we're trying to develop nuclear fusion power rather than fission power. So, 
Yeah. They got that right. But I still don't understand why they would want those materials to fuse because you just need water. Yeah. <laughs> True. I don't, I don't know. Jen the Astro. Um, <laughs> Astro <laughs> Hello, everyone. Yay. Yep. Yay. <laughs> And I will go back to trying to uh, find more about self-lacing sneakers. <laughs> there, there you go. You do that. Um, uh, yeah. Any other quotes before we move on from quotes? No, I. it just, it was a well-written movie. It just is lovely. Yeah. And then I, it, it just gets better in the third one for me. I, yeah. I found the third one to be the best of the three. Yeah, but they, we'll get to that when we talk about the third one. They definitely, the scripting continues to be tight, them trying to tie up the loose ends mm. and uh, kind of reconcile uh, different plot points. Um, it certainly uh, is difficult whenever you deal with a time-traveling movie like this, but one of the things that the first one really nailed was, was that aspect, and they did a good job in this one as well. I think that's the thing. They they did really think about all the paradoxes they were creating and and the timelines and everything. I mean, at one point when we were rewatching it, I just turned to Emma and just said, "My head hurts," and it's <laughs> exactly how you should feel. Right. Trying to figure out what is going on in a time tra travel movie with three different periods. Um, that's exactly um, what it should feel like. I think they've done that really well. No, I, I would agree with that. I would agree with that. Uh, we had two uh, two bits of feedback here before we kind of wrap up the show here. Uh, Dave Carter said, saw this in the theaters in 89, loved it, made me think that the future was within our grasp. Hmm. So that was his reaction, the way that the future felt. It's in my grasp, I'm holding my iPhone. Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> Amy said, not bad, not bad, not as great as the original, but quite interesting. Also, where are the hoverboards? This is 2015 after all. We've got a few months, though, right? Yeah, yeah. We, we aren't quite done yet, so who knows? We might get... Oh, happy year They're just not on the market yet. Yeah, October October 21st, uh, 2015. Okay. Until so then. We got a little time yet. A little bit of time. I'm pretty sure that company um, that had that have done it are... Hendo? Yeah, they are claiming that people... Because it was I think it was a Kickstarter or some crowd. It was. It was yeah, a Kickstarter. Okay. So if you maybe if you pledge enough money, you will get your hoverboard. I don't um, know. I don't know. By October. Oh, well, I have a spare three thousand dollars lying around. I got it in hundred bills, so it should be easy to find. You hey. have to make a choice between that and yourself placing. <laughs> yeah, have to make a choice. Um, yeah, Tony Hawk rode that hoverboard. Yeah, that um, video is amazing. It's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, that's uh, so that that was a little bit of feedback that we got regarding the uh, when I threw up on fa on the uh, Facebook and. Um, definitely darker than the first film, but still a good film. Oh, still quite, still very enjoyable. I am looking forward, like Jen said. I am uh, Jen. I'm sorry, M. Like you said, M. The uh, there is something about going into the old west and bringing and ending up there that is pretty awesome. Mm. I love the old west. I love what they do with the train and making the oh, train yeah. into the, the train. I just love how he's managed to use all of his science. To, to create all the creature, some of the creature comforts that he had before, like iced tea. Yeah, I know. <laughs> he makes the iced tea, and that machine is just, it's beastly, and it's cranking, and it's going, and it's in, and then, ping, out comes an ice cube. <laughs> beautiful. Um, I, I want to double back a little bit, because I did find the quote, like a quote that really I just love, when Doc just, 
he they were coming out of the DeLorean. They're discussing time travel, and he says that time travel is just too dangerous. I better uh, better that I devote myself to the study of greater mystery in the universe. Women. I know. <laughs> I that is just, a great line. That just just sums things up perfectly. And then of course we when we get to the third movie, you know he meets Clara, who I love. Just that's a sweet storyline without being all Attica you broke my heart. <laughs> no, no Padme moments there. <laughs> Everything goes back to uh, there's no Padme. There's no Padme in any of the movies, although it doesn't pass the Bechdel test, but it's still no Padme in any of the movies. Uh, so explain this test for us, Em. The Bechdel test. Um, I have to look it up because I can't remember the three standards. It's kind of the the feminist how to tell if a movie. Hold on, Bechtel, uh, Bechtel test. Thank you, Wikipedia. So basically, it's a short test that's used to call attention to gender inequality and to assert that women are under uh, underrepresented in films due to sexism. So uh, the rules um, that let's see. In 1985, a strip titled The Rule, an unnamed female character says that she only goes to movies if it satisfies the following requirements. The movie has to have at least two women in it who talk to each other about something besides a man. Which you think would be easy, right? Right, yeah. right, right. So many movies fail it. Oh, almost everything fails it. Almost everything. There's they created they generated a list and there's there's really not a lot of movies in here right um let's see oh avengers apparently passed which is good chappie failed um drunk wedding failed i feel like mad max must have passed uh, i enjoyed the mad max mad max passed she didn't fall in love with him. mordecai failed predator dark ages failed the sponge <laughs> <laughs> spongebob movie failed True Story failed. Focus. Ex Machina. Oh my God, that movie was creepy. That is like the antithesis of the Bechdel test. Um, uh, walking among two. So, so it's it's an interesting thing. I mean, it's a great, cute, lighthearted family film. It's about a boy. So there's not going to be anything womanly about it. Like it, it just it made me so sad when Elaine gets smacked or Lorraine gets smacked around. And Biff leaves the, excuse me, Biff leaves the room and she just, she just walks over, gets a drink and she said, it's my fault. I pushed him. I'm the one who did this. And I was like, oh my God, that's oh, yeah. right. Yeah. And ugh, it so was hard. To be a little bit flippant, um, it doesn't count when Lorraine meets Lorraine and exchange like two words with each other. Yeah, <laughs> that doesn't count <laughs> now. No, apparently not. <laughs> I'm young. I'm old. <laughs> oh. All right. Well, on that note, anything else we want to say about Back to the Future uh, Two? No, I think we. Awesome. I think it. we did yeah. a good good job of dissecting. Yeah. yeah, it was awesome. It was an awesome movie. Uh, definitely. Uh, I mean, it wasn't meant to be a trilogy when it first came out. Uh, does this feel like a sophomore, like a second movie in a in a trilogy to you, to you folks? To me, it feels like it's meant to be watched with number three. Like yes. it, it doesn't. It doesn't feel to me like part two ends as a satisfactory movie. Well, no. Like because, I wonder whether yeah. they did. They did intend for you to watch part two and part three together. Because if I watched part two and there was no part three, I would be very disappointed. I think. 
because mm. there's just too much that needs wrapping up. Right. Yeah, absolutely. No, I totally agree with that. Um, and they, it's clearly they tie it well into the first movie by going back to 1955 again and revisiting some of those events in a slightly different manner. Right. So, I mean, they, it does work. It, it is kind of cohesive and works real well. And I agree, it's not really meant to be a standalone movie. Oh, definitely not. So, yeah. All right. Well, I believe that about does it. We're going to uh, have to uh, put on the dock to do Back to the Future 3 probably sometime in July. Awesome. And, uh, so, um, I don't know if we can uh, rope Jen, you from across the pond, to, uh, <laughs> to talk about it. Depends how early we do our recording, I guess. Because it's what it's nine now, so it's yeah, it's like three in the morning like there. Three, yeah. yeah. It's three in the morning for you. So, so we'd have to like do a, like a Saturday afternoon recording or something. No, you could do it at this time. You just might have to accept that I would have been in the pub for a number of hours. Ah. and just got back. That, that, <laughs> that might actually make it pretty interesting. Excellent, excellent. It's well, you know great. they are in that they are, they do spend a fair amount of time in the saloon in Back to the Future Three, so kind of fits. Yeah, it's actually what we're going to do after we get off the show. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, hey, Jen, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Thank you, Jen. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, thanks, a, Dr. Jen. Yeah, thanks, thanks Jen. Dr. Jen. Great to have an <laughs> astrophysicist on the show. So, mm -hmm. uh, and Emma, it was great. It was great to say, get together with you and Miles, as always, just to kind of hang out here at the diner and talk back to the future. Oh, yeah. Yay. So, so if you haven't done so, watch Back to the Future 3 in the next couple of weeks. We'll probably be recording a podcast uh, on that in the uh, probably in July sometime. So keep that on your radar. Um, I think that's about it. All right. Well, till next time, good night and good luck. We will see ya. Do your dailies. Jot on. <laughs>